And we have a missionary. Now, we support missionaries here if you're new or visiting. We really believe in missionaries. And we take uh, 15% of, of what everyone gives. We take 15% right off the top. And I don't see any checks. They just give me the bottom line. And so we take 15% and we devote it to missionaries. And so um, Matt's, I'm going to get the name from Matt. There's a couple that is um, taught at the school. And they're going to Mexico. And we're, I would like you to pray with me about them, bringing them on as another missionary in Mexico. And so it's very exciting. Again, if you're new, please check out our mission lobby. But as missionaries come in town, we always want to give them time to share. And so we have a missionary from Israel this morning, George, and his wife Rivka that's saying. And so George is going to come up and share uh, some things with us about Israel. And then in the study today, it just happens to coincide with Israel. Oh. Un- unbelievable. It's amazing how that works out. <laughs> Well, good morning. It's broke your toe. If you don't know how to say it, just say broke your toe. That'll work. You know, what I really love, you know, when I saw Jim this morning, was walking in. Um, this reoccurring thought always comes to my mind when I come places I haven't seen in a while. Is what's happening in the heavens. You know, I have this kind of thought that all around us are angels. And my angels have been following me around. And they're probably exhausted. And they bumped into Jim's angels, and Jim's angels haven't seen my angels in a year, two years, and they're just laughing, and they're just having a great time of fellowship. You know, when we come together, you know, it says the angels look into our salvation. They look into our fellowship. You know, we are at a spiritual war. You know, our angels don't get any rest, you know, and we are at a total war all the time. You know, in Israel, we are surrounded by an enemy who would love to destroy this tiny little nation. But I have to tell you that this year has been a really a breakthrough year for us. Um, first, we had the mayor of our town come and speak to our Messianic group. I think it was the first time ever that an Israeli mayor came to a Messianic group to speak. And so that was a very, very big deal. And the other breakthrough, really, that's taking place is that my wife's CD, two of her songs are now playing on secular Israeli radio, which is a huge, huge deal. Some prayer concerns. Um, for those that don't know where we live, we live in a town called Arad. And if you forget, we're between a rod and a hard place. Okay. We are 20 minutes east, or 20 minutes west of the Dead Sea. Okay. In the town that we live in, there's a group of Orthodox Jews called the Gur Hasidim. Now, the Gur Hasidim, they're an ultra-Orthodox group that believe they're going to be the temple priests to the next temple. But you have to understand, the next temple that is coming is the Second Thessalonians 2 temple. The, what Matthew talks about, what, you, what Jesus talks about in Matthew, the abomination of desolation. They believe they're going to be the temple priests. That is why we face the spirit of Antichrist in our town. That's why we get... Breed Hadashahs, which are Hebrew New Testaments, torn up and thrown in a yard. That's why we have Messianic books burned and thrown in a yard. And Well, just this year, the the Gur Hasidim had, had just bought two houses. One, um, you see that back door right there? About this far, they bought a house and they converted it into a synagogue. And to the right of me, and maybe where that chair is, they bought the other house and they're putting five families. So we're being surrounded. But I have to tell you, do not fear because these are the Saul's that God will turn into Paul's. You know, apparently God has to bring closer to me, uh, you know, so that we can really impact him with love. Because you have to understand that while they persecute us, we have to understand that they did the same thing with the prophets. 
And all we're called to do is to really share the love of Jesus upon them. You know, when I got the call to go to Israel way back, you know, 1998, I was praying. Um, and I was really, you know, I just got radically saved. It was a grateful dead And I was really praying for revival. And I was saying, Lord, Lord, send revival. And I was really, really praying through revival. The first thing the Lord kind of spoke to me and said that, that this next wave of revival is going to happen by the unknowns. And I really prayed about it. I said, what you, you know, what do you, like, what is this, what are you talking about, unknowns? Those that have Jesus so far in front of them, they actually don't see you anymore. And so if you go to my websites, we get visited on our websites, you know, 10,000 people plus a day. We send out a daily devotion that goes out 25,000. But I don't put my name anywhere on it because I really want it to be about him. But the second thing that, that the Lord spoke to me about is to the Jew first. See, revival has to begin with the Jewish people. You know, it said, you know, when Paul was talking about Romans, it says, to the Jew first. And as I was praying through this, you know, the Lord spoke to me about what Charles Spurgeon said. As I was studying out Romans 11 and what he had written about Romans 11 and the restoration of the Jews, he said this, I do not think that we attach enough importance to the restoration of the Jews. Those that were the first missionaries, the first apostles to us for far off, for they should be regathered in again. And then he said this, until that shall be, the church's glory can never come. Matchless benefits are tied to the spiritual restoration of Israel, for their regathering shall be as life from the dead. You know, it says in Romans eleven fifteen, if their rejection is the reconciliation of the world, what would their acceptance mean but life from the dead? And so I really believe as we enter in these last final days, the key really is Israel's restoration. I believe this year could be a very key year because as Israel faces wars on many different fronts and they're all converging on um, cycles that are very interesting how they converge this year. For example, we have a seven-year cycle. Seven years ago when the Syrian civil war started, when the last conflict with Israel with Syria was, and this year we had an Iranian drone come into Israel for the first time, shot down a few weeks ago. Israel responded by destroying half of their anti-aircraft systems, but in the same situation, it's the first time since 1982 that an Israeli jet was shot down. That's a seven-year cycle. It's called a Shemitah cycle. You have seven Shemitah cycles that makes a Jubilee cycle. Now, you have a 12-year cycle. In 2006 is the last time we went to war with Lebanon. 12-year cycles happen very, very often. Most people don't pay attention. But if you were paying attention to Harvey, when Hurricane Harvey came and hit Houston, it went back out to sea. When it came back in, it slammed into Louisiana 12 years to the day of Katrina, or 144 months to the day. Um, for example, when the first Gulf War ended, most people don't realize it ended on the Hebrew feast day of Purim. Purim is the day that the Jewish people were delivered by Esther and Mordecai from Haman. Well, when the war ended... Twelve years later, the day after Purim was when the second Gulf War started. So there's 12-year cycles that happen all the time, and now we're getting ready to go into a 12-year cycle with Lebanon, and the situation with Lebanon is extremely tense. And then you have a, even a bigger cycle, the cycle of 70. 70-year cycles happen very often. For example, in the Bible, Daniel in Daniel we read that Daniel was praying, and he said, oh, Jeremiah said the Jewish people are coming back after 70 years. A 70-year cycle is very big, and so we have a convergence of a 70-year, 12-year, and a 7-year cycle, all converging this year, which kind of indicates we very well may go to war this year. But I want you to think about this. Sometimes God allows wars to take place to get people woken up, because you'll never find an atheist in a foxhole. 
We have been struggling. We've been, we, we've seen Israelis come to faith in our living room. We have a, a nightly meeting, a Friday night meeting. We basically have, I don't really want to call it a congregation because as soon as you call it a congregation, Jewish people won't come. We have a house meeting and we believe in friendship evangelism. We go ahead and feed a lot of people and they just come and you, when you hear my wife sing, you understand why they just love to worship. And I give a very small, what we call a drosh in Hebrew. It's a very small lesson. And, and then, I believe friendship evangelism is when you actually talk one-on-one to someone about salvation. You, ha- you are able to establish that when you have that physical relationship with someone. Well, while we've been struggling to see Israelis come to the Lord, I believe when this, this war takes place, our numbers will go from 15,000 Jewish believers in the land to 50,000. I really believe we'll triple or quadruple our numbers in a month or two. I think it's going to happen in such a wave, but that won't happen unless you start praying for the revival in Israel. Unless you start praying in their salvation. See, the key isn't them returning back to land. The key is them returning back to the Messiah. That is the key to everything. So start praying in their salvation. Start praying for us in the land. There's a lot of things that could get very, very interesting. Do not fear. God is with us. These things must take place. But he's still in control. Amen. So thank you, Jim, so much for supporting us for so long. And I appreciate you all. And if you don't get my worthy brief, sign up for them. They're free. It doesn't cost anything. And pray for us. Amen. Psalm 65. Psalm 65. It's exciting days we're living in. Very exciting days. Jesus said, when you see these days come upon you, look up. Don't look within. Don't look to the government. <laughs> look up. And so that's what we're called to do is to look up. Father, we just thank you and praise you again as we continue in our worship of you. Father, we thank you for that time of praise and of giving our financial gifts and, and hearing, Lord, from a missionary. Well, we just thank you and praise you. And we, we just continue in our worship by surrendering our hearts afresh, anew right now. Lord, whatever's on our mind, later today, lunch, yesterday, whatever's going on, Lord, we just pray that we would take those thoughts captive to the obedience of Christ and spend these next few moments in eternity hearing about your love, your grace, your mercy, your judgment. Because you are God. We are humbled, Father. That you would allow us to have your word and to proclaim your word. What a blessing, Lord. So use that this morning, your word, for your glory. And I pray for the gift of teaching, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, the next four Psalms that we're going to read, 65, 6, 7, and 8, will focus on giving God the praise for... He is the provider of all things, and his abundant blessings are upon the nation of Israel. And as we have seen over and over again already through the Psalms, or songs, God will meet our spiritual as well as physical needs. Not our wants, but our needs. So, 65, to the chief musician, a psalm of David, a song. Praise is awaiting you, O God, in Zion. 
and to you the vow shall be performed. O you who hear prayer, to you all flesh will come. And you're noticing the you there is capitalized. So God, iniquities prevail against me. As for our transgressions, you will provide atonement for them. Blessed is the man you choose and cause to approach you, that he may dwell in your courts. We shall be satisfied with the goodness of your house, of your holy temple. You know, David once again makes reference to the tabernacle, that that resting place of the Ark of the Covenant, in the Holy of Holies, as well as the altar of offering up physical sacrifices in Zion. This is crucial. You see, now originally, a Zion, Zion was the reference to the city of David. And then during Solomon's reign, it grew to include that area that is known today as the Temple Mount. We're going to Israel in March of next year. We will go up on the Temple Mount. That was then considered Zion. But it was also used in reference to Jerusalem and in Zechariah 9.13 to the whole nation of Israel. So, should the nation of Israel today give up Mount Zion to a group of people, mostly Muslims, that desire to wipe them off the map? That is the goal of Iran That is the goal of the Palestinians. That's the goal in the Gaza Strip. That's just reality. They want to literally wipe Israel off the map. So, there's a question. I don't know if you noticed it this past week, but President Abbas uh, proclaimed that they are the Canaanites. The Canaanites. Really, you're the Canaanites. Wow, how'd you figure that out? You're the Canaanites. Let me see the Canaanites were wiped out by the Israelites when they came into the land 2,000 years before Islam ever came into being, but you're the Canaanites. I think you better go back to history lessons. They don't think straight. They don't think right. They don't think factually. Because it's the spirit of Antichrist. We want to eliminate Israel. You see, Jesus the Messiah is coming back to rule and reign from Mount Zion. So David points to that area that everyone, everyone at that time would have known as Zion and says that praise will greet the Messiah. So back to our text in the Jewish mind, you had to be clean as David goes over this. You had to be clean in order to approach God. And it was the only, and it was only by the acceptable blood sacrifice at the altar that you were made clean. You know, Leviticus 17, 11. For the life of the flesh is in the blood. And by the way, science finally caught up with this. And I have given it to you upon the altar to make atonement for your souls. For your souls. For it is the blood that makes atonement for the soul. There has to be a blood sacrifice. If you ask a Orthodox Jew... What is your, who is your blood sacrifice? What is your blood sacrifice? They don't have one, but when they create a new temple, they are going to go back to blood sacrifices. Ask a Muslim, who is your blood sacrifice? Well, we don't have one, but we're going to get one. It's going to be you. They bring peace. Yeah, they want a piece of you over there and a piece of you over there and a piece of you over there. 
That's their way of bringing peace. Ask a Mormon. Who's your blood sacrifice? Now, we're not bashing religions, but let's be mature enough to ask questions. If you're going to go down that road and invest your eternity in that religion, shouldn't you ask some more serious questions? Since it's your eternity? Yes, we should. It was God who accepted the sacrifice and proclaimed a person clean. Yes, God used human instruments. If you're doing the daily reading right now, you're seeing all the do's and don'ts given by Moses to the priest and to Aaron and spoken to Joshua. The duties of offering the sacrifice, but it was clearly God who was cleansing the person of their sins. Notice that in verse 3, at the end of verse 3, you will provide atonement for them. You will provide atonement for them. And to be spiritually clean is an incredible thought and a wonderful feeling then as well as it is today. Let's look at some verses. Hebrews chapter 9. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 9. And stay there because we're going to skip through it quite a bit. And if you're not familiar with the Bible, we always put a slide up. Don't be afraid. And you'll see that little cross, the white cross that tells you roughly in your Bible where it's at. So we encourage you to open your Bible. Hebrews 9.26. He then would have had to suffer. And the he here is context is speaking of Jesus. So Jesus then would have had to suffer often since the foundation of the world. But now, once at the end of the ages, he has appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And as it is appointed for men to die once, after this the judgment, so Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many. Who are the many? Anybody know who the many are? Raise your hand if you're the many. Hello, we're the many. This is us. He went to the cross for me. And if you're here this morning as an unbeliever, he went to the cross for you. But do you know Jesus as your savior? Not just intellectually. Do you know him in your heart? Do you know if today, if you were to take your last breath, you would instantly go to heaven? Or do you think, well, yeah, you know, I'm a pretty good person. Wrong answer. You're going to hell. Wrong answer. If you don't have Jesus as your Savior, it's the wrong answer. The Bible clearly states that. He is the only acceptable sacrifice, not your good deeds. So Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many to those who eagerly wait for him. Notice that. He will appear a second time. Are you excited about Jesus? Or are you just going through the religious obligations And now you just go to Calvary Chapel to fulfill the religious obligations. That doesn't fly. God's not impressed at all. You are actually stunting your growth by just going through the motions instead of having a loving relationship with God via Jesus and being excited about him. Again, so Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many. To those who eagerly wait for him, he will appear a second time apart from sin. Praise God. For salvation. Jump over to 10, chapter 10, 12 and 13. But this man, again, notice the capital M, so speaking about Jesus. Don't have to go to Greek, you don't have to be a Greek scholar or go to Bible college to figure this out. Just keep going through the Bible. After he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, notice that, forever, sat down at the right hand of God. What can you offer 
What can you offer to add to the cross of Christ? Just ask a Jehovah Witness that. What can you offer? Because they firmly believe that you have to do works in order to be saved. And so I've asked them that. What could you possibly do to add to the cross? They have no answer. Because if you can add anything to the cross, then you've just taken away the deity of Jesus. He wasn't the acceptable sacrifice. He was close. He was a really good prophet. He was a great guy. Very good teacher. But he didn't quite cut it. So I have to do my part so I can get to heaven. Uh, Wrong answer. You're going to hell. No, you need Jesus as your savior. From that time waiting till his enemies are made his footstool. Skip down to chapter 13, 12 through 15. Chapter 13, 12 through 15. Therefore Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood. Who's your blood sacrifice? Ask a religious person. Who's your blood sacrifice? Now, some of them are not going to know what you're talking about. But if they're into their religion, if they really understand their religion, they're going to have an answer. I don't know. Because if they're really understanding their doctrines of their church, not just going to the church because their parents and great-grandparents went like I did, they're going to know, I need a blood sacrifice. Who's your blood sacrifice? Oh, hesitation, that means you don't know. You need Jesus, because Jesus is our blood sacrifice. Therefore, Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered outside the gate. Therefore, let us go forth to him, outside the camp, bearing his reproach. For here, on this earth, for here we have no continuing city, but we seek the one to come, which is what? The new Jerusalem, heaven itself. And then verse 15, therefore by him, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. As we leave that slide up there and it's in your Bible. This is what David is doing and has been doing as we've been going through the Psalms. And this is why we're gathered here this morning as well. To give God the praise through songs. To give God the praise through our financial gifts. To give God the praise through studying His Word. Giving God the praise by by fellowshipping with one another. And I know that's an awkward time. But we do it. Because we need fellowship. And you need fellowship. You don't need a 10 second, hi, how you doing? Good. Later. We need to develop relationships. We need to meet one another and pray for each other. It's a blessing to to give praise by praying. You see, ultimately, we're gathered in this place called the church to bring praise to his name. Not praise to the music teacher, not praise to the pastor, not praise to a missionary, not praise to anybody else. Although we do need one another, Corinthians tells us that, so don't take what I'm saying out of context. Every member is important to the body of Christ. But all members come together for his praise, for his glory, to lift his name on high and to lift up the name of the Jesus and to say, we need more of the Holy Spirit. Because I can't teach this Sunday school class without more of the Holy Spirit. And if you try, you will fail. The kids won't get anything out of it because you're not filled with the Holy Spirit. You're doing it in the flesh. So we need to be in the Holy Spirit, moving of the Holy Spirit. Psalm 65 
5 through 8, by awesome deeds in righteousness, you will answer us. O God of our salvation, you who are the confidence of all the ends of the earth and of the far off seas, who established the mountains by his strength, being clothed with power, you will still the noise of the seas, the noise of their waves, and the tumult of the peoples. They also who dwell in the farthest parts are afraid of your signs. Think about when they went into the land. Before they went into the land, Joshua, Caleb, they, or, I mean, there were two spies that went in. And who did they come in contact with? They came in contact with Rahab, who became a part of the lineage of Jesus Christ. And what did Rahab the harlot say? She said, we've heard about you people. And we've heard about your God. How he parted the sea. When did God part the sea? Forty years earlier. Rahab might not have even been born. But 40 years earlier, God parted the sea and Rahab is now saying, we know about you and we are scared to death. We've locked the doors and nobody's getting in. Oh, great. And didn't that just encourage those two spies as they went back to Israel? The land is ours. The land is ours. Yeah, they got a fortified town, but God has given it to us. You see, they understood, and David understands. You who still the noise of the sea, the noise of the waves, and the tumult of the people, they also who dwell in the farthest parts are afraid of your signs. You make the outgoings of the morning and the evening rejoice. Rejoice. You see, everything that God does is right. You see, the word says throughout the creation story that it was good. It was good. It was right. And when we look at creation, the oceans, the mountains, and everything in between, we see the majesty of God's power through His Son who spoke everything into being. He spoke it into being. And His power over creation was on display when Jesus was with His disciples. You know, He calmed the sea on two separate occasions. And on one occasion, He allowed Peter to actually walk on the sea to him in the midst of the storm. He didn't calm the storm and then say, Hey, Peter, come on out. As you know, if you know the story, Peter was and said, Lord, can I come out to you? Only one of the twelve had enough sense to ask to come out. Or maybe that's not sense, but he asked. But he stepped out. You see, that's power and no one else has or ever will display that power. You see, God is over all his creation. And that's important for you and me to know as we head into these days. What happens if there is a war with Lebanon and Israel? Do you think we're just going to stand by the side and do nothing? Maybe if previous administration would have, but not this. I don't believe this administration will. We're going to be in there fighting with Israel and for Israel. At least I hope so. Because that will really be our demise if we don't. You see, God is over all his creation. And even those in distant lands know of him and his ways. And today that's called the work of the Holy Spirit, where Muslims are receiving Christ in Iran, in Iraq, in Pakistan, proclaiming God's signs and wonders throughout the whole world. This is what God has done. And at the start and end of every day, we have this simple reminder. And I would encourage you this week in the busyness of your life, 
to get up a little bit earlier. And that's not that early. I, I'm normally up at 5.30 and it's still dark. So just, you know, if you get up around 6.50 and go outside and watch a sunrise, just take a few moments to watch a sunrise. Leave your phone in the house and watch a sunrise and give God praise. And maybe at the end of the day, go out in your backyard or front yard, wherever it might be, and watch a sunset. Just turn off the TV. Turn off the kids. Put them in the house. Say, no, you can't come out. We're doing this by ourselves. We'll bring you out tomorrow night, but we just need some quiet time to watch the sunset. Guys, do you know the beautiful sunrise and sunsets we have out here? They're just incredible. But we're just so busy. Hustling kids here, hustling kids there, busy in our own lives. We don't even take the simplest time to say, God, you are powerful. You spoke all of this into being. You are so powerful. Will you take care of me? Duh. Yeah, he will. Because he is that powerful. Verses 9 and 10, you visit the earth and water it, you greatly enrich it. The river of God is full of water, you provide their grain. For so you have prepared it. You water its ridges abundantly, you settle its furrows, you make it soft with showers, you bless its growth. You see, David now moves from the creation to the crops. And think about even our country. Less than 50 years ago, many farmers in America would spend time praying to God in order to see him provide the necessary rain for their crops. But with modern technology, the prayer demand has decreased. And self-reliance has become our God. But around the world, Prayer is still key to survival because water is the key to survival. And David says here that God is the one who brings the rain so that the grain will grow. The gentle fall and spring showers would soften the soil in order to allow the farmer to plant his seed and to see God's gracious hand bring forth a crop. This is what David is explaining here about God's power, God's greatness. You are worthy of praise. Verses 11 through 13. You crown the year with your goodness and your paths drip with abundance. They drop on the pastures of the wilderness and the little hills rejoice on every side. The pastures are clothed with flocks. The valleys also are covered with grain. They shout for joy. They also sing. Now David moves from the farmer to the herdsman. And he makes mention of God's provision through flocks as well. Through taking notice of these various things. You know, crops, flocks, rain as well as forgiveness of sins. David proclaims God's goodness found throughout the whole year. And guys, this is a great example for us this morning. Throughout the whole year. Not just in the good times, but in the bad times. Not just in the happy times, but in the sorrowful times. Not just in the healthy times, but in the sick times as well. To look around us and to realize, God, you are so good. I don't like what I'm going through. But God, you are so good. 
My heart is aching with what's going on right now in my life. But God, you are so good. And just giving him the praise he so deserves. What do we see throughout the day that shows God's power as well as his goodness? Again, I would encourage you as homework to think about that this week. To take some time to meditate on those things and give God the praise he so deserves. Even as we were coming home last night from visiting um, our children, you know, driving down the freeway and the sign says, road closed, crash ahead. And we, and we come around the corner and, and there are all the lights and there's all the red lights, brake lights, and there are the fire trucks and there are the police and the paramedics and we got off at the exit and it's just like, God, thank you. Thank you for keeping us safe and bless those who are there right now. Whatever's going on, just, just bless them, encourage them, strengthen them. It's so easy to, to see something like that and go, well, I remember when. And all of a sudden we get into all these horror stories. And then we try to see who can build on top of the other person's horror story. Now, God, thank you. And then as we drove in, I, we just do this on a regular basis. I would encourage you to pray about this. We drive into our house. We go, thank you, God, for getting us home. Thank you, God, for getting us home. 38,000 people died last year on American highways. 38,000 people died. We're worried about gun controls. Hello, let's wake up to what's happening in our culture. How many people are dying every day of drugs and of alcohol? But no, there's there's a larger agenda going on. And I believe that David, who was much closer to the time of Moses, just took notice of what God promised his children through his word. Let's look at Leviticus 26. Oh, Leviticus. Could there be anything good in Leviticus? Well, if you're doing the daily reading schedule, we started in Genesis 1-1, and we're cruising through right now. First five books of the Bible. Leviticus 26.3. If you walk in my statutes and keep my commands and perform them, then I will give you rain in its season. The land shall yield its produce and the trees of the field shall yield their fruits. Now again, this is not for salvation. And this ties in with Galatians. Where it says, do not be deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man sows, whatsoever a woman sows, You sow to the flesh, you're going to reap of the flesh. Don't blame God. You sow to the Spirit, you're going to reap of the Spirit. Blame God for that one. But don't blame God for the flesh. So this is what, this is what's just being said in the Old Testament. Your threshings shall last till the time of vintage, and the vintage shall last till the time of sowing. You shall eat your bread to the full and dwell in your land safely. Just, just follow my word. Just do the simple things that I ask you to do out of a love relationship. But unfortunately, that love relationship turned into a religious relationship and they missed their Messiah. Because they were so caught up in the the, the to-dos and the nots that they missed Jesus. They They missed the God of radical love who called Matthew a publican, a tax collector, one of the lowest occupations in Israel. And said, Matthew, I'd like to eat at your place. I'd like, to, I'd like to dine with you. Now, you know, as a rabbi, that just rocked Matthew's world. Uh, first of all, are you talking to me? Are you talking to me? And, and you want to eat at my house? Oh, okay. 
And then they had fellowship that night, as the Bible says, with publicans, tax collectors, and sinners. (gasps) And outside stood the Pharisees, the religious elite of the day. What is your rabbi doing eating with publicans and sinners? It's called reckless love. It's called reckless love. Even as Jesus said, I didn't come for those who are righteous. I I came for those who needed a physician, those who are sick. You're sick and you just don't realize it because you're self-righteous. That's religion. And that's what we have to be careful of even in Calvary Chapel, that we don't become self-righteous and religious, that we cling to our relationship and keep Jesus first and foremost. How about Deuteronomy? (gasps) Deuteronomy, is there anything good in Deuteronomy? Deuteronomy chapter 28, 8 through 13. The Lord will command the blessing on you in your storehouses and in all to which you are set your hand. And he will bless you in the land which the Lord your God is giving you. The Lord will establish you as a holy people to himself. Notice that even today. As you've heard me say over and over again, we need the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit. Because he is the one who establishes us, not we ourselves. Religion will teach you that you need to become established, that you need to be good, that you need to do this and you need to do that. No. Just as he has sworn to you, if you keep the commandments of the Lord your God and walk in his ways, then all peoples of the earth shall see that you are called by the name of the Lord and they shall be afraid of you. And the Lord will grant you plenty of goods in the fruit of your body, in the increase of your livestock, and in the produce of your ground, in the land of which the Lord swore to your fathers to give you. The Lord will open to you his good treasure, the heavens, to give you the rain to your land in its season, and to bless all the work of your hand. You shall lend to many nations, but you shall not borrow. And the Lord will make you the head and not the tail. You shall be above only and not beneath. If you heed the commandments of the Lord your God. There was a child, 16 year old child who went through a school and slashed 21 students. Let's take away all the guns. Ah. Let's take away all the knives. Ah. As we had our suicide prevention meeting this past week, do you know what one of the most popular ways of suicide is in our country? Hanging. Hanging is one of the most popular ways of suicide. Well, now we got to do away with all ropes. Let's get rid of all ropes. That'll take care of the problem. Oh, what about a belt? Oh, we got to get rid of all belts. Let's not do that. We don't want your pants to fall down. But you know, it's just ridiculous. What's the problem? The heart. We're trying to fix a heart through all of these physical means. It's impossible. So you and I as believers, since we know what the problem is, don't get caught up in all the political nonsense, all the arguments. Just go to the heart of the issue. Because that's the issue of the heart. Keep it simple when you minister to people. Say, no, it's about my heart. Don't point at them. Point at yourself. No, it's about my heart. 
as even we mentioned last week, and you can get the CD, that our hearts are desperately wicked, even as believers. Our hearts are desperately wicked. Which I command you today and are careful to observe them. Again, not for salvation. Just for the simple blessings of God. Do you want to be blessed by God? I'm sure you do. Are you seeking after your Father in heaven? Only you can answer that. If you're not blessed, and this is not Christian fiction, Channel 21, money nonsense. If you're not blessed in the midst of cancer, then you've got a heart issue. Because we're still blessed. My wife and I were having this talk conversation yesterday. I mean, we're so blessed. My worst day, I'm blessed. I'm going to heaven. Who cares? Do you understand that? We are going to heaven. We are blessed. Everything else is dessert. Oh, I have a car. Praise God. Oh, I get to go home to a bed. Praise God. Oh, I get hot water out of a... Oh, this is amazing. Thank you, Jesus. Especially in our house, because sometimes we don't have hot water. Cold shower. Praise the Lord. It's clean water. We're flushing drinking water. People would love to have our toilet water in the rest of the world. I mean, just think about that. Go in your bathroom, look at your toilet before you do your thing. That's drinkable. We don't want to drink it, but that's drinkable. And then we flush it and think nothing of it. As people are dying of thirst in other nations. Guys, we're blessed. We're blessed. This is what David is sharing. God is so great and so good. Give him the praise he so deserves. Father, we thank you and praise you. You are so good. On our worst day, you are still good. On our best day, you're good. Our days do not determine your goodness. You're good. And you are so worthy of our praise. So God, help us to to get focused, to get refocused, to stay focused, whatever the case may be. Help us, Lord, for your glory, to give you the praise and the glory and the honor you so deserve, for you are so worthy of our praise. Father, we thank you for allowing us to be even here this day. And we do pray for our service personnel, Lord. We thank you for Josiah. We thank you for every single person that is serving in our military, Lord, so that we could do what we're doing right now. And Lord, we pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ that they would be bold in their witness of Jesus. For we know, we know some will not come back alive as even happened this past week. Some will pay the ultimate sacrifice for us And Lord, we want them to know Jesus. So bless our chaplains and bless our brothers and sisters in Christ. Just give them tremendous boldness and a tremendous witness for you, Father. Even as warrior David has done for us. We thank you for this time in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Well, I think we have a special song that's going to be sung. And you're going to share? Amen. Our toilet water. That's something you don't think about often. Whew.
How about singing? How about breathing? How about walking? Thank you, Yeshua. Thank you, Jesus, for all your goodness toward us. I think this is a good song to kind of focus and uh, re-give our lives to the Lord this morning. It's called Mercy Seat. You probably know it. It was made famous by a girl named Vicki Yohi. But I sing it in Hebrew because I needed my family to hear this song. Can you turn up that track?
Lord, help us all to run to you. be in prayer about that so we'll have their names in the bulletin next week but for now hey. here is george hey, from you. israel thank you so so much now if that's a clap for me let's hear a hallelujah for the lord amen look it's all about him everything that we do is about him right um for those that don't know us who gets our worthy briefs wow wow i didn't know how many Wow, that's that's actually the most hands I've ever seen. <laughs> if you don't get them, if you want to sign up, it, it's free. It's in the lobby. It doesn't cost anything. I personally want you to sign up because you're going to be blessed. And when you get blessed, guess what's going to happen? My mansion gets a lot bigger. That's all I really care about is eternity. You know, look, this life that we have is a crazy life. You know, the world's going a little nutty. It's okay. You know, I, I read probably 40, 50 newspapers a day. And, you know, there's so much junk news. You know, everyone wants to focus on, on things that don't matter in the grand scheme of things. What we do is we go through and we throw away the junk news. We give you what's really happening around the world, what's happening in Israel, what's happening in the United States, and what's happening to believers. Because, you know, last year there was 100,000 or so believers that died for their faith. Look, the, the things that are happening around the world... Are your prayer points? You know, the ministry was found in the verse, watch you therefore and pray always and may be found worthy to escape these things. You know, the first thing about being a watchman, the, the ancient Hebrew word for watchman is the word notzrim. Can you say it with me? Notzrim. Very good. You just said the modern Hebrew word for Christian. We're called to be watchmen. We're called to sound the alarm, to announce the king is coming. Now you have your prayer points for the day. And then finally, that the, I mean, realize the Lord is coming back really, really soon. You know, a lot of the things that are happening around the world, people don't realize, is really centered and has always been centered about what's happening in Israel. Now, where we live, we live in a town called Arad. If you forget it, we're between Arad and a hard place. Now, this little town is kind of this crazy town. It's a town where the spies first spied out the land before the land was conquested. So it has a deep, rich history. This is where the spies came back and gave a bad report. I'm here to give you a good report. Joshua and Caleb said, we can take the land, right? We can take the fortified cities. Look, Israel is not the holy land a lot of people think it is. I mean, Tel Aviv wants to be known as the gay capital of Europe, right? We have, you know, we have abortions that are paid for by the state. You know, the, a lady can have an abortion, two abortions, and it's paid for by the state. It is not the holy land like people think. And there's a lot of work to do. Now, the town that we're in is so critical because this town where the spies first bought Atlanta, I believe, is critical in the opening up of revival. We actually are looking at a situation this year. You know, we had a lot of breakthroughs happen this year. For the first time ever, we had a Israeli mayor come to our meeting and speak to our group. That is like political suicide in Israel. He came to our meeting and spoke to our group and gave a great, you know, was talking about his vision for the city and his vision for things. And one of the things I had spoke to him, that the very last question I gave him was, it's not if a war is coming, it is when a war is coming. How is Israel prepared and how is the city prepared to take what's going to happen? Because when we went to war in 2006 and the Lebanon war in 2006, our town of 20,000 went to 50,000. And he explained to the group 
that Israel is prepared to evacuate 1.3 million people from up north down south. Now, I look at this as, you know, in, in, in Chinese, you know, they say uh, the word for crisis is the same word for opportunity. I say, Lord, you're going to bring them to my town? Man, this is the greatest opportunity we've ever had. You know, you'll never find an atheist in a foxhole. And, you know, things are lining up as though something very well may happen this year. I don't have time to get into all the different cycles that I believe are converging that tells us this is a very critical year. But I want you to understand something, that wars are used by the Lord and rumors of wars used by the Lord to wake people up to the reality that there's something better. It's a reality of the fact that the Lord is coming back when there will be no more wars. There will be peace. There will be justice. There will be all these things that the Lord has already promised us. But before those things take place, the word clearly says that these things must happen. But God's purposes are not to destroy. God's purposes are to restore. And he's at work restoring Israel. If you do anything, if you, if you take anything out of this message, leave here tonight or leave here this afternoon with a message, simple message. Pray for the salvation of Israel. We read often, it says, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. How? What is peace? Peace is shalom. It means completeness, fullness. How will Jerusalem, how will Israel be at shalom? How will it be complete? Unless it's complete in their Messiah, right? So when you pray for the peace of Jerusalem, realize you don't realize that you're actually praying for their salvation in a way. And also you're praying for what? That the Sharshalom, the Prince of Peace, comes back because we know that true peace will only come when he returns. There's a lot of things you're praying for. Pray for the revival of Israel. While these things take place, please go out to the thing, pick up a prayer magnet, put it on your refrigerator. Pray for the revival because it's coming. Amen. The word clearly says that all of Israel shall be saved. Amen. Well, God bless you, Jim. God bless the congregation. And like I say, if you don't sign up for my worthy brief, sign up. It's free. Amen. Amen. Psalm 65. Psalm 65. And I would greatly encourage you to sign up for the news brief. It's excellent material. Um, Things that I share with you sometimes come from that, and so it's just it's a great opportunity. And George always does a devotion at the very front, which is really cool. So you can get a daily, another daily devotion. You may be already doing a daily devotion, but he always does a great job doing a devotion in the morning and, and ask some challenging questions of you, of me, of how we can become more like Jesus.